Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a beautiful scripture and a powerful one from the book of Isaiah. And uh, as I was working on the sermon even in Cuba, I was thinking of you all. And, and uh, last Sunday, uh, my heart was here, but my body wasn't. As I was thinking about you, as I was practicing my Spanish and enjoying time reading and resting and, uh, and refreshment and a lot of food at this resort, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing to get away. I want to thank again the church family and, and Pastor Paul in particular who led two funerals and, and preached the beginning of our Easter season sermon. And uh, someone sang to me... Uh, the song, You Picked a Fine Time to Leave Me, Lucille, um, and just left it at that, and I know what they were trying to say. Uh, I'm just so grateful for our staff, family, and our church family, and, uh, and grateful to be home. Grateful to be home. Today, we officially begin our journey towards Easter. Around the world, we are in the midst of what is called Lent. It's the 40 days. Um, between Ash Wednesday and Easter Sunday, a 40-day journey. And I wondered, where did the word Lent come from? And uh, in my research, I found that Lent is an old high German word coming from the word Langsin, meaning spring, an old high German word. Um, It's a season of 40 days, and 40 days reminds us of the 40 days that Jesus uh, went and withdrew into the desert. It marks fasting and and uh, withdrawing from food and festivities. It's a quiet season, a thoughtful season, a kind season. So are we ready to be thoughtful, generous, and kind during the next 40 days, or 36 at this point? The three traditional elements as we lead up to Easter is prayer. Um, we, sh- we need to be reading each day, and if you haven't picked up your Easter devotion, Taking Flight, we, we bought one for every family, and it's a daily devotion. Today was an interesting one um, about Christ and his character and, and how he stood up for right and justice. Um, so it's a daily devotion, and we'd like you to have one. So Katie, we'll have these in the foyer as people leave. Yes, we will. If you haven't picked one up yet, please uh, pick one up on your way out. Um, We would encourage you to read uh, the devotional together and to pray together each day during Lent, during this Easter season. Secondly, fasting. And fasting can help us to recognize some of our bad habits. It helps us to be aware of our dependence on God. You know, we are um, the generation that live, my generation, are the first generation of human beings to know life without hunger. You know, we've never been hungry. I've never been hungry. It's ridiculous. Mind you, there's many on earth who live today who who experience hunger even today. But fasting gives us an opportunity to feel, to feel hunger and to sense need. So I would encourage you to, to fast. There's fasting from things and fasting from food. I'd encourage you. Next week I'm going to have a handout for you about each of these three elements. Lastly is generosity. Uh, we can become more like Jesus during the season of Lent as we give to others in generosity. In this quiet season, we put other people first. 
Um, Christ gave his life for us, and we are to give our lives in service to one another. We visit the sick. We carefully and quietly help those around us. So prayer, fasting, and generosity, those three things. Finishing up on a beautiful Easter Sunday together when we'll be having baptisms this year. So it's, um, it's a wonderful, quiet, exciting season. And uh, it's so good to, to walk the journey together. Last week we looked at Psalm 22 in the portrait of Jesus, um, the suffering king. And this morning we're going to look at another portrait of Jesus found in the Old Testament as we read from the book of Isaiah. And this is the portrait of Jesus, the suffering servant. And um, when we think about the themes of service and suffering, I think it's appropriate. It's appropriate for us today. Um, It's appropriate for us every day. There are four passages in Isaiah which talk about the servant of the Lord. They're found in Isaiah 40 and Isaiah 52. And... um, The question is, well, who is this servant of the Lord that Isaiah talks about? He's prophesying about a servant. Well, who is it? Let's remember, Isaiah is 700 years before Jesus was born. 720 years, in fact. So Isaiah, a little bit about Isaiah, was a prophet, and his role was to speak to the people on behalf of God. He was a prophet. Sometimes prophets speak about what God will do, but in general, their main concern is speaking to people about the place in which they find themselves, their present circumstances. One of the amazing things is how God um, works in us and speaks to us about our circumstances, but he also sees far ahead. And he has the words mean something far more significant later on. It's amazing. So as we think of today, and we, I think of my, my David, who's no doubt somewhere waiting to be seen in, in a hospital or a clinic, we're talking about suffering. Suffering and, and service. And um, here who knows what it means to suffer? Who here knows what it means to suffer? We do know what it means to suffer. Each and every one of us, if you're a mother, giving birth is, is, is a type of suffering. We know what it means to suffer. Each and every one of us. Now, when we look through, as Mike read the scripture, as we hear that scripture, we look at it through the lens of Jesus, his life, his death on the cross. This is who Isaiah was writing about. 700 years before he was born, Isaiah was writing about Jesus, prophesying about Jesus. And John 12, 41 states it quite clearly. It says, um, in verse 41, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Isaiah was speaking about Jesus. 700 years before he was born, he spoke about Jesus. He wrote about Jesus. He wrote about a suffering servant. And who's the suffering servant? Jesus. Here's a little bit of of what uh, Isaiah wrote in in chapter 42.1. Who but Jesus could bring justice to the nations? In 42.4, who but Jesus could establish justice on earth without faltering? 42.6, who but Jesus is the covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles? 42.7, who opens the eyes of the blind and frees captives? 52.14-15, who was humiliated but then exalted? 
53, Isaiah 53, 5-6, who took the punishment for our sins as a substitute for us. All of these scriptures in 42 and 53, called the servant songs in Isaiah, are about Jesus. It's incredible. It's wonderful prophecy. The rest of the New Testament makes it clear that Isaiah, way back, 740 B.C., was prophesying about Jesus, the suffering servant. Now, stay with me here. When we turn to the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 8, there's this incredible story, and it involves Isaiah 42. In this story... There is an Ethiopian diplomat. If you're the, our, our beloveds in the booth, I'm, I'm queuing up this video, okay? Good. We have this incredible story in the Bible about an Ethiopian. So an, a man from Ethiopia, a diplomat, who's riding in... Don't start it yet. Thank you, but it's ready to go. It's ready to go. If you can start it when I want it. We've got this Ethiopian riding in a chariot from Ethiopia to Jerusalem, 2,500 kilometers. That's a long way. He didn't take a plane. He, and he's in the chariot, and he's reading. He's reading an Ethiopian in a chariot between Jerusalem and Ethiopia. He's actually quite close to Jerusalem. He's on the desert road. He's not taking the road that goes on along the, uh, the ocean, the Mediterranean. He takes the, he's on the one that um, he's, he's on the desert road. And he's reading in a chariot. And it's an incredible story. Um, it's a powerful story. Acts 8, 24, 26 to 30. It's the story of this Ethiopian reading the passage, asking the question, who is Isaiah writing about? Who is Isaiah writing about? Now, I love this story for two reasons. There's an African, and I'm biased. I love... I love stories, particular biblical stories, that aren't many that reference Africans. 2,000 years ago, here was this African leader reading the Bible. So he, he, he was literate, he was wise, and he was traveling to Jerusalem. Um, and I love this, this story as well because it confirms the prophecy of Christ. So this is the video, and it's only the Bible they are just acting out the Bible. No other words is from the New International Version. And let's, I just wanted you to see what this might look like. So let's play that video. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So that was Philip. Go to the so road. We started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said. Unless someone explains it to me. 
So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip. Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Oh! And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. I love that. Isn't that seeing scripture acted out is powerful. So there was this incredible man in a chariot reading the same scripture that we are reading today. Um, it's an incredible story. So Philip told the, the Ethiopian the story of, of Jesus and about him being the suffering uh, servant. And the Ethiopian sees water and he says, well, why shouldn't I be baptized? Because I believe in Christ. And, um, and he baptized him right there, and, right there and then on the desert road in, in Israel 2,000 years ago. So um, let us listen to the words of Philip and see if we can understand what this scripture means for us today. And uh, so let's get in our chariots and uh, figure this out like the Ethiopian eunuch did. And, uh, and, and if need be, we will fill up the tub and we will baptize you today, just as we baptized the, uh, uh, the Ethiopian those 2,000 years ago. So this scripture paints a picture of Christ. And the question is, what does it mean to us? As the Ethiopian learned to understand through Philip, in the same way we need to understand what it means for us today. The picture that... Isaiah paints is that of a servant. And we know this is exactly how Jesus lived his life on earth. Philippians 2.7 says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. And what is the Greek word for servant? Do you, do you know it? Do you think you know it? You do it. We, we've, we've turned it into English, and we call it a deacon. Diakonos is a servant. The word in the Bible for servant is Deacon, diakonos. And Jesus made himself a deacon, a servant. Matthew 20, 28 says, The Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He did not come to be served, but to serve. The most famous example of Jesus serving is when he went and he washed the disciples' feet. Do we ever do foot washing here at Scott Street, MB? Have we done foot washing? Not, not commonly? No. Some, some traditions still do a fair bit of, of foot washing. It's an incredible thing. Um, 
to think about Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our King, who came to serve. The other day, uh, Pastor Paul and I were at Tabor Manor, and uh, it was our day to prepare the snacks. So we, we went to the kitchen and we cut up the squares and, and, we, and the lemon loaf and we put it all out nicely. I made sure it looked beautiful on the plates and we made coffee and tea and we went out there and, and all our beloved grandmothers and grandfathers and mothers and fathers came in and they looked at us and they said, why are you serving us tea in, in squares? And we said, well, that's what our boss taught us to do. Our boss, our, 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 our Lord Jesus, was a servant. And I'm happy to pour tea and coffee. I didn't go to university all those years for nothing. <clears throat> you know, I know. I can pour a wicked cup of coffee. Yeah, if you want double-double, I can do that. I serve a servant. His example to me is as one who serves. He served God first, and then he served his disciples. Um, he tells us exactly why he set this example. John 13 says, He came to be an example for us of how we need to treat one another. Jesus set the example. This is how we treat one another. We serve one another. That's what we do. We care for one another. We serve one another. We need to be servants as Christ set the example for us. We need to look for ways to meet each other's needs. Not flashy, not noticeable, not, not big look-at-me ways. We need to serve each other with whole hearts and without a whole lot of noise. Just serving silently, giving, caring, serving. And I know there's a lot of wonderful serving going on here. I feel like Jesus when I serve. The time when I helped to carry a little, the body of a little boy in Kenya who died... Um, took him up to the farm and buried him. Uh, I, I served like Jesus. The time when there's a little sick girl in my arms in, in our little slum church in Nairobi, and she was, she was so sick, um, I, I, I served like Jesus. The time when I sat on the floor outside the Sunday school cl- classroom because the little boy had been kicked out because he was making too much noise. So I sat with him, you know. I, I think I served like Jesus that day. The time I made a, a quiet phone call to someone who, uh, who was undergoing chemotherapy. I, I think that's when I served like Jesus. The times I feel most Christ-like is when I'm following the example of my servant king. That's when I'm Christ-like. Perhaps I'm not most Christ-like when I'm up here preaching Oh boy, I love this passage and I love preaching this. And I told a couple people, I I spent a whole year studying just these scriptures. And I wrote a thesis on it and and I love it. And I get to preach it. One short sermon. And I'm going to (laughs) go, I threatened to go for seven hours because I spent a whole week, a whole year studying this scripture. I love it. But perhaps I'm not at my best when I'm behind a microphone. Perhaps I'm best when I'm behind a shovel or behind a, behind a knife-cutting lemon loaf. You know? Can, does God, where does God use us? God uses us wherever we are. Wherever we are. Being a servant is invigorating and exciting and hard. Amen? Amen. Looking over there at our Marga. Wonderful servant. God bless you. I try not to get in her way in the kitchen because I know she'll just push me out of the way. (laughs) 
Jesus was not only a servant, but he was a suffering servant. The portrait that Isaiah makes is, is more than simply a servant. It's a servant who suffers. And the picture of suffering is severe. Um, chapter 53, verse 3 says, He was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. They don't even want to see him. He's, so, he's suffering so bad it hurts to even look at him. He was despised and held in low esteem. These are the words of Isaiah 53. They were fulfilled by Jesus suffering on the cross. Jesus didn't suffer needlessly. He suffered for you and for me. Jesus suffered for you and for me. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in a time of suffering, the first question that comes to us is why? And that's a hard question. It's, it's a hard question. I remember when I had my heart attack a few years ago. I was 48 years old. And I was saying, why, Lord? You know, why would you give me that? I have, I got big dreams. I got things to do. I, uh, I can't have a, a bad ticker. Um, why? And th- that's a, it's a hard question. And it's oftentimes impossible to answer. Um, Isaiah 53, 4-6, though, it says, He took up our infirmities. And carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did Jesus suffer? For us. It's clear why he suffered. That one we can answer. Why did Jesus suffer? He suffered for us. He took the punishment we deserve. He stood in our place. All of the suffering Jesus went through, he did so because he loves us. Isn't that incredible? That's love. Being reminded of his love for us and his suffering um, helps me to live in the shadow of the cross. Every decision I make needs to be made in light of his suffering and his love and his life for me. Keeping the cross forefront motivates me to pursue a, a life of holiness and a life of purpose. And I want to challenge you, the next time that you are being tempted, particularly during this Lenten season, this Easter season, pause and imagine Christ on the cross. Imagine looking at him up there and look him in the eyes. Then make your decision concerning what you'll do when tempted. I think it's when we take our eyes off the cross that we fall more easily to temptation. Now, Jesus not only was a servant who suffered, but he suffered silently. And this is key. He suffered silently and quietly. Our text tells us, Isaiah 42, 2-3, Jesus reveals his character in the midst of suffering, and it's a picture of meekness and of tenderness. Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearer is silent... So he did not open his mouth. He faced his sufferings silently. And I think this is a model for us. Isaiah paints the picture of a silent, suffering servant. So what does that mean for you and me? Well, I don't think it means that we don't share our suffering. But it's an attitude in which we walk through our suffering. It helps us understand how to live better, how to serve better. 
you know, having an old man that I am now of 57 years of age, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a miracle I can even stand up. You know, I think I'm closer to heaven every day, and I long for it. I am not afraid. I know that it's a place where there will be no more suffering, no more tears, no more sickness, no more pain. Uh, That's from Revelation 21.4. That's how it describes heaven. But until that time, suffering is a part of our world. It's a part of my experience. We have suffered. We have suffered. Just yesterday I was at a funeral for a dear, dear lady. Her name was Willow. And, uh, and boy, she was wonderful. And she died from complications of cancer. She was in her 80s. And uh, it was so hard to see her suffering in her last days. Um, I think of Hans Neufeld. I was with him in the hospital and in the hospice as well, seeing him suffer. And, and then walking with families. Um, this is hard. If you want to be a pastor, I, I pray the Lord is bringing up some young pastors in our congregation. But just know, it's, it's a hard job. Wow. I love it. I love it. But it's hard. Walking with families and, and dealing with suffering. Don't, don't even think about my own suffering, but walking with pe- through life with people who suffer is difficult. I think we sometimes get a mixed message about suffering as Christians. On the one hand, we say that we should be like Jesus and we should quietly accept as from God and patiently endure suffering. On the other hand, we say that we should be like Jesus and we should overturn the tables. We should fight suffering. We should stand up for justice. We should heal the sick. We should free the captives. We should give sight to the blind. So the question is, which is it? How do I live like Christ? Because he set both those examples for me. I believe the answer is how we respond, um, how we respond to suffering is, is basically, it's based on how the suffering is brought about. Is, is the suffering due to bad decisions or lifestyle choices? Is it brought upon us through circumstances? Why? Or there's the third type of suffering. Is it suffering that's brought about by my faith? And I think about those people today. You know there's 215 million Christians suffering for their faith today? 215 million people who are suffering because they call Jesus their Lord. 50,000 are in prison or in labor camps today in North Korea. 50,000 Christian brothers and sisters are in prison, prison camps, labor camps in North Korea. 215 million people suffering throughout the world because they love Jesus. And uh, there are many answers to, to why we suffer. There's many answers as, there's a, as there is the, the number of ways that we suffer. And I don't have the answer to why we are suffering, why you are suffering, unless you're suffering for your faith. But I do have a few ideas about how we can respond. Firstly, when we suffer, we need to ask for God's presence. Last week, we looked at Psalm 22. It says, But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. When we suffer, ask for God's presence. We need to seek him. Seek God in our life, in our good, in our bad days, to seek him and ask for his presence. Secondly, we need to ask for a miracle. 
This is what God told us to do. He said, ask and we shall receive. When Jesus encountered suffering, he did something about it. He healed. He set free. He did miracles. So our response in suffering is to pray, ask God for help, and ask for a miracle. Ask for him to intervene. God hates suffering. So we can ask with confidence, God, help me. And there have been times. There have been times in my life when I've been holding this beautiful little girl, 16 years of age, second brain cancer. And we knew that she didn't have long to live. And we just prayed, Lord, bring a miracle. Bring a miracle. And I'm not ashamed to pray that prayer and to anoint with oil. I believe in miracles. Yeah. Next, we have to accept God's answer. We ask for his presence. We pray for a miracle. And then we accept his answer. And I know many of you are more qualified than me to talk about suffering. You've endured suffering a lot more than me. You've fought and you've struggled and you've wept. And I know um, that many of you would say the same thing, that in the end we come to a place of receiving God's answer. We accept his answer, giving thanks to God in love for his answer. And that beautiful little girl, she's with the Lord now. He did answer, and he took her home. He took her home, and we miss her. Lastly, we minister out of suffering. Um, Once you've come through a time of suffering, we're equipped to reach those others around us who are suffering. We can have empathy. We can care. We have a powerful ability to understand what others are feeling. When you felt the same thing. Henry Nouwen is a wonderful writer and and if you like to read, let me, let me take you to my office and give you some wonderful books. He, he was a great author. He wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, among many of his books. He was a Canadian. He shows us how to turn our pain and our experience of the past into an ability to reach out to others. He wrote, When we honestly ask ourselves which person in our lives means the most to us, we often find that it is those who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, have chosen rather to share our pain and to touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. The friend who can be silent with us in a moment of despair or confusion, who can stay with us in an hour of grief and bereavement, who can tolerate not knowing, not curing, not healing, And face with us the reality of our powerlessness. That is a friend who cares. Isn't that beautiful? That's a friend who cares. Suffering is one of the main themes in the Bible. And it's been a main theme in many of our lives. Some of you running as children with your parents and grandparents. You know, from Russia and China and Paraguay. Um, I've I've heard some of your stories and I want to hear more. But I know that you've suffered. You've lost grandparents and parents. Um, And it's been difficult. And although there have been lots of things that are unclear, there are two things that I can state with complete confidence regarding suffering. And I'm going to close with these this morning. Firstly, God loves us and feels our pain. He sees, he hates suffering even more than you and I. Those nights you cry yourself to sleep, you are not alone. God is right there. Whether you feel him or not, reach out to him for strength. Secondly, God made us 
to need one another. Even as a suffering servant on the cross, Jesus' mother was there with him. And her friends, her close friends were there with her. And the disciple, the disciple John was there with Jesus on the cross. He was not alone. So let's please reach out. Allow others to come beside you in your suffering, to offer support and encouragement and to walk with you. What I would like to encourage you is that when you're suffering, when there's difficulty, there's a temptation to close in and and to to not communicate and, and, and and, and to almost feel guilty that you're telling other people about what's going on. And that's not God's way. God's way is for us to suffer and to share and to live together. So my encouragement for you is to, whatever's going on, if you need help, look at this family of faith. We've got an incredible family of faith and people who want to help. We have elders and you've got, you have pastors who, who just want to be there. So don't be afraid to call. I, I want to be there in the hospital with you. We were there on Friday uh, making a visit to, in the emergency ward and And I'll be there again today with David, wherever he is. And that's what we do. That's what we do as Christians, isn't it? Uh, We're there for each other. We're really good at caring because we serve a suffering, caring God. And our response is to serve and to love as he does. There was a young boy, he went to the corner store, sent by his mother to buy a loaf of bread. He was gone a long time, and when he got home, his mother said, Where have you been? I've been waiting for you, looking for you. I've been worried sick about you. Well, the boy said, there was another little boy with a broken bike, and who was crying. He was sitting there on the sidewalk. He was crying, so I stopped and I helped him. And his mother said, I didn't know that you knew anything about fixing bikes. He says, I don't. He says, I just stayed there and cried with him. (laughs) Until his father came. Sometimes God fixes the bike. Sometimes he just sits and cries with us. And that's what he calls us to do. To be suffering servants like him. To be there as he is always there for one another. So God bless you. And may he use you to bring hope, light, and love to our suffering world. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you promised to always be present. And you are present beside us even now, walking with us. Help us never to forget that. And Father, help us not to be timid, but to be bold as we approach you and to ask for miracles, to ask for your presence and your care. And then, Father, give us the wisdom and discernment to accept your answers. Father, speak to us and give us peace. Help us to find peace in your answers. And then, Father, use us to be your hands, your feet, and your mouthpiece, Father, that we would speak to others, that we would help those who might be suffering, even someone sitting right beside us this morning, someone watching on a computer or television even this morning who has a need. Father, we know that you're right beside them. And send us, we are your people, to meet those in need today. We pray this in Christ's name. Thank you for listening. For any questions about the message or to
contact any of our pastors, please visit scottstreetchurch.ca.